Well, I want to welcome you this morning. So glad you're with us today and that you're here uh, to be able to worship our great God together. I want to uh, wish you a very happy Independence Day. Happy 4th of July. And uh, as we open God's word today, I don't want to I don't want to miss giving thanks to our great God for the great nation in which we live. And uh, truly, there are many nations around the world, countries around the world, where this can't happen openly. Uh, Where you don't even have the option to wake up in the morning and leave your home and drive to your church to sit with a congregation of believers while the word of God is open and proclaimed. And we have that freedom in our great country. And so we need to give God thanks for that today. And, And yes, it's true. America is not a perfect country. There are many things as believers in Christ for which we should not be supportive and stand for that our country does. But America is an incredible country that we've been blessed to live in. And the freedom that we share here as believers in Christ is one we should not take lightly. And we should give thanks to God today for the independence that we do have. And I want to thank those of you that are here, even that have served in the United States military and the armed forces, men and women who have continued to uh, help to secure those freedoms. Thank you for your sacrifice and for your family sacrifice. We appreciate that so much. And so please don't ever take for granted this assembly. Uh, the opportunity that we have, the freedom that we have every single Sunday to gather here. Uh, do not take that lightly. Um, I've had the privilege and opportunity to, to go in different countries around the world and be able to participate with missions and preaching and teaching. And I can promise you everywhere I've been at the end of the trip, I cannot wait to get back to my country, <laughs> to America. And, uh, and appreciate so much what God has blessed us with here. We're going to be in Acts chapter 5 this morning, so you can turn there in your Bibles. Uh, I wonder, have you ever had a goal or had something before you that you desired to accomplish, and in seeking to accomplish that goal or striving to accomplish that goal, you seemed, uh, it seemed as though everyone and everything was opposing you in achieving that goal? Ever had that happen? <laughs> um, it seems like that happens, doesn't it? Maybe at work, if there's a task before you, you have to complete or you've been given. It just seems like everybody's trying to stop you from completing that task. If you have an assignment when you're in school or if when you were in school or college and you had to complete an assignment, it seemed like everything was before you to draw you away from your focus of completing that task or that assignment. When my wife and I want to have a conversation together, and I really can't say a quiet conversation in our house, but when we want to have a conversation together and all of our children are home, it seems as though all of a sudden all four need our undivided attention at the same time, anytime we're trying to communicate something. Uh, we went to eat yesterday, and as we were finishing our, our food, all four kids were huddled around us as we were finishing our food. I'm like, I just want to finish eating. And, and like, there's all this pulling and distraction. Uh, maybe you've experienced that before. Maybe you've been on a weight loss program before. And you're like, that's it. I'm buckling down. I'm going to get serious about this. And, and you've heard me say this before. One of my great food loves is chocolate chip cookies. I love chocolate chip cookies. I don't have time for the crispy chocolate chip cookies. I like the soft ones. 
And, uh, and I'll, I'll be ready. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be disciplined. I'm not going to eat anything bad for like the next seven days. And it seems like that's the day everybody decides to make chocolate chip cookies. And everywhere I go, it's like chocolate chip cookie, chocolate chip cookie, chocolate chip cookie. It's just there trying to pull and draw you away from the goal and the focus of what you should be focused on. We all have experienced these things where people or things or situations are drawing our attention and focus away from what we know we need to be going after or doing. And the same is true in our relationship with Christ, isn't it? That so often we know what God would expect or desire of us. We know what God wants from us as his children. God wants our obedience always as his children. He is our heavenly father. We are his children. And so God's desire for you and I as his children is that we would be obedient to him. And to his word. And, and if I were to go around the room today and ask you, hey, share with me something that you know God's word tells you to be doing that you're not doing. All of us could share something this morning. Because we're all guilty, aren't we, of knowing things that we know God wants us to do, but then not following through or doing them. And, and here's the reality that no matter what situation we find ourselves in, there are things, people, circumstances that pull us in different directions from the direction we know we're supposed to be following and going after in our obedience to the Lord. And we kind of have just a kind of standalone message today on the 4th of July that we're taking just a short one-week break from our series on the church. And yet I felt like, man, it would be very appropriate to continue on as we look at the church series with an understanding of what you and I should be pursuing as believers within the church And always at all times, it should be obedience to our Heavenly Father. And so I've entitled the message this morning, Obey God Rather Than Man. Obey God Rather Than Man. Listen, you are finding yourselves in different situations and scenarios every day where you are faced, as I am faced, with a challenge and a a choice, a decision to make. Do I obey God or man? Do I obey God or self? Do I obey God or my peers? Do I obey God or this culture? Do I obey God or what is popular or what is convenient or what is simple or what is advantageous in this life? And can I encourage you today as a believer in Jesus Christ, every time the answer must be for you and I to obey God rather than man. Would you say that with me? Obey God rather than man. I wonder how different even our culture and our country might look if believers sought to be obedient to God rather than man. On a day in and day out basis. We're going to be in Acts chapter 5. Already have set kind of the the scene here, the context, and what Pastor Steve read for us earlier. And I don't know if you were paying attention when he read it. I hope you were. But that's just a remarkable passage already setting the scene where you have the apostles of Christ performing signs and miracles. Don't miss that there was such power going forth from what the apostles were doing and the Spirit of God empowering them that people were bringing the sick and people that needed healed, laying them in cots and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall on them so that they would be healed. It's an incredible scene. And and so we have jealous leaders and rulers that arrested the apostles and they threw them into prison. And while they're expecting that the apostles are in prison, they're conspiring about what to do with them and when they're going to bring them before them for their judgment. 
And God sets them free miraculously from prison. And I love it that when they went to fetch them, to bring them so that they could receive their judgment, no one's home, right? It's fantastic. They go to get them and they're like, listen, the jail's there. The locks are still there. But the apostles ain't there, right? There's no one left for them because of what God has done. And they're like, well, where'd they go? Now, listen, let's be honest for a minute. If you and I are preaching Jesus, we get arrested and we are being severely persecuted and we're in jail and God supernaturally relieves us from that situation and gets us out of prison. I don't know how many of you would have the same perspective and if I would have the same perspective that we might be thinking like, run, right? We might be thinking, hide. We might be thinking, don't let them find us again. You know what they were doing? They were out in the public arenas preaching and teaching Jesus. Those that were trying to look for them in prison, they didn't have to look long because they would find them. They would find them. Verse 25, someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. They're out teaching yet again. And so it says that they went, this time kind of quietly, not by force, because they didn't want to stir up the people. And they brought the, brought the apostles again before them and set them before the council. Verse 27, that's where we're going to pick up. Look with me. When they brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than man. Let me read that again. We must obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior. I love that. Don't you love that statement? God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. Don't miss. Why was it they were wanting to kill them here? Listen, the message that they were proclaiming. It was proclaiming. It wasn't that the apostles were doing anything harmful. They're not telling these leaders that they're going to strike them with violence of any kind. That they're preaching the truth. And as a result of that, they wanted to kill them. And a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. So again, just to kind of get you up to speed where things are at, the apostles, they were thrown in prison for preaching Jesus. God supernaturally releases them. They go out and guess what they do? They start preaching Jesus again. So they bring them back. They arrest them again. They put them before the council and they tell the apostles, hey, we have strictly commanded you quit preaching the name of Jesus. Quit preaching this message that you're preaching. And Peter answers and says, we ought to obey God rather than man. We cannot cease from preaching this. We are witnesses to what has happened and we must preach this. And so there was a respected individual named Gamaliel that said, hey, listen, let's put them out for a minute. I just want to talk to you all. I want to talk to the council here. And this is what he says, verse 35, men of Israel, take care what you're about to do with these men. For before these days, Theudas rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, 
And all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. Let me read that again. Don't miss this. In the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. Verse 39. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. Let me read that again. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. Isn't that incredible? I mean, I hope it comes to your mind what we've been talking about the previous two weeks where Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Gamaliel is giving wise counsel and he's saying, listen, if what these men are preaching and teaching, if what they're doing is of God, you cannot fight against it. You cannot stop it. Because look at what he says, you might even be found opposing God. What an encouragement, Just this isn't part of the message, but what an encouragement today as a believer in Christ that if you and I are about God's work and the message of the gospel, those that would oppose us, that would fight against what we're doing, they're not fighting against us, but they are seeking to oppose and fight against God. And they cannot overthrow that. They cannot overthrow that. It says, they took his advice, verse 40, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council. Listen, uh, they've already been in prison. They've been released. We might have ran. We might have split. We might have hid. Not them. They went back out and preached. They brought him in again, arrested. They beat them again. They commanded them again not to preach. What would we do here? I, I hope I would do what they did. I don't know, but listen to what they did. They left the presence of the council, having been beaten Having been warned again, and look what it says, rejoicing, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Isn't that incredible, incredible, true account of what happened in the early church? It's absolutely remarkable. The title of the message this morning, Obey God Rather Than Man. And I want to give us this morning just seven realities regarding obedience. Seven realities regarding obedience that I think we have to be prepared for, that we have to understand as believers in Christ that desire to be obedient to our great God. Uh, we need to understand these things and be obedient to our great God. First reality regarding obedience, obedience to God must come first. Would you say that with me? Obedience to God must come first. There's no question about what the answer should be when we are faced with a challenge of obeying God or obeying man. There's no question on what our answer should be when it comes to obeying God or obeying culture. When it comes to obeying God or obeying the pressures of this life or this world, God must be obeyed first. Obedience to God must come first. In verses 27 to 29 that we've already read, it says they brought the apostles back in. They're standing before the council and they ask this question. Listen to what it says in verse 28. We strictly charged you. We strictly charge you, they're questioning them, not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. 
They're saying, listen, we told you, quit talking about Jesus. And not only are you talking about Jesus, you have filled all of Jerusalem with his name. What an amazing testimony. Wouldn't it be absolutely amazing if it could be said that Akron, Ohio has been filled with the preaching and teaching and filled with the name of Jesus? Because those that know Christ just won't shut their mouths about him. That's what's happening here. They're saying, listen, we, we challenged you, we commanded you, we warned you, quit teaching in his name. And yet all of Jerusalem is filled with this man's name. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. It should be inspiring to us. It's inspiring to us. But here's what I love. Look at the response Peter gives. Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. Right? The reality is, listen, you have commanded us one thing, but God Almighty has commanded us with something entirely different. And given the option of obeying God, Almighty God, the Creator, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, the one that knows my thoughts even before I think them, given the option of obeying you who can't even keep us in prison, or obeying Almighty God, I'm going to obey God. Isn't that just, just wisdom? Isn't that just wisdom in regards to the truth that we believe? And yet, why is that such a struggle? Because it is. We began, didn't we, by saying so often when we know what God wants for us and to obey God, it is so hard because there's so many voices pulling the opposite way. Isn't that incredible? And absolutely, it's the Spirit of God, right, that is going to enable us to be obedient to him. But look at what Peter says. We must obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Verse 32. And we are what? Witnesses. We are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. You know what Peter and the apostles say here? We have to obey God rather than man. Listen, Peter and the apostles were saying to these leaders, we are witnesses. We are witnesses of the resurrected Christ. We are those that have been indwelt by the Spirit of God. How could we ever keep silent about these things? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ today and God has made you alive when you were dead, how could we ever keep silent about those things? How could we ever ignore and keep silent from that which the Spirit of God has enabled us to see and to know and to participate in? How could we keep silent? In the Old Testament, book of Daniel, chapter 3, there's an, a remarkable account. If you've not read it, many of you have heard it. A remarkable account about three men named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Some of you know that story. Most of you maybe have heard that story. But in Daniel, chapter 3, there was a decree that went out from King Nebuchadnezzar that everyone, when they heard various sounds of instruments, they were to bow down and worship this image of gold 
that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, as the ruler in this territory, would say, listen, anybody that hears the sound of all these musical instruments, when you hear those sounds, you are to bow down and worship the gold image that I have put before you. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who feared God and knew God and knew that they were not to do this, that they were to worship and only obey God and not to worship or serve any gods or idols other than the Lord, they would not bow down when this decree went out. And so it says in Daniel chapter 3, verse 8, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. And they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Your majesty's issued a decree. And they share what that decree is. And they say, whoever does not fall down and worship, the image will be thrown into a blazing furnace. Oh yeah, by the way, anyone who didn't worship that image, the penalty for that would be they would be thrown into a fiery furnace to their death. There's some Jews whom you've said over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. These people come to the king and say, king, you've set out this decree, and there's these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and basically they don't care what you think, and they're not bowing down to your image. And so furious with rage, the king summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I've set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you are, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And King Nebuchadnezzar asks him this question, Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Now, if you know the rest of the story, you can laugh at that question. The king says, I'm going to give you one more opportunity, fellas. You don't want to bow down? We'll see if you do right in front of me. And this is going to happen. Right now, I'm going to play, have these instruments played, and you're going to bow down. And if you don't, here's what's going to happen to you guys. You're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. And then what God is going to rescue you from my hand, he says. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, this is golden what they say. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Isn't that, I don't know if you want to, like if you're before like an angry king, I don't know if that's the best thing to say. We don't even really need to defend ourselves before you, king. We really don't even need to answer you about this. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. I love the way they said that. There was not even the option that they were laying on the table. If we choose not to bow down, king, they don't even throw that out there. It's already a given that they will obey God rather than man. It's a given. They don't even leave the option on the table. They're not like, well, king, if we decide not to bow down, then you're going to throw us in. God's going to deliver us. They don't even leave that as an option. They say, oh, king, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he'll deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Obedience to God must come first. <coughs> Excuse me. And here's the amazing thing about this. Obedience to God is not always the easy route. It's not always the safest route. 
But our obedience to God is not based upon what we perceive to be deliverance. Because they said to the king, even if he doesn't deliver us out of the fiery furnace, O king, we will not bow down. Nebuchadnezzar, verse 19, was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. You can see the frustration here. It's already a burning, fiery furnace. Like, make it extra hot, right? They're going to throw them in the furnace, so they do it seven times hotter than usual. Now you really know he's mad. And he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. Listen, there are a lot of things that happen in our world that are strictly for show. That's what's going on right here. Make the, make the furnace even hotter. Get the strongest to bind these guys. They weren't fighting. They weren't fighting. They didn't have to be the strongest of his men. This is a show of strength by the king. This is a show of strength and intimidation by the king. Everyone will bow down to me. What God will deliver you from my hands. So these men, verse 21, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. This is what I love about what God does here. Not only is God going to deliver them, but God's going to take the king's strongest soldiers with them. King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. I love the, the king's changed a little bit. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, understatement of the year here in the passage. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. That's how it says it. No big deal. This is no big deal for our God. Listen, the God that we serve, that is no big deal for the God that we serve. That's incredible. The satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Listen, I had a bonfire the other day, and I had a hat on like four days ago. And like the other day, I put it on yesterday, I put it on. I could still smell that fire on my hat four days later. These guys were thrown into a seven times hotter furnace. They weren't burnt, they weren't singed, there was no smell of smoke on them. God 100% protected these men, even from the smell of the fire, is what our God did. And everybody was amazed. Can I just encourage you with something today? Obedience to God must come first. Because we have no idea the great and amazing things our God can do and will do. When we obey him. Secondly, obedience to God is not determined by consensus or popularity. If you look at verses 33 to 37 of Acts 5, getting back to the passage, those that saw and heard what these men were doing, they were enraged and they wanted to kill them. 
Gamaliel is going to go on. He's going to share some examples of others that rose up. And it says with each of the men that rose up, they gathered a following of people. There was a following that gathered these men that claimed to be somebody. But before too long, it ceased and it showed that it was not of God. It was of man. But understand, obedience to God is not determined by consensus or popularity. Anybody can get a following. Anybody can find people to persuade. Look at our culture that we find ourselves living in and the absolute ridiculous things that are being embraced and justified as normal today in the culture in which we live. Things that so many years ago would never have been expected to be considered normal or acceptable are today. It's not hard to get a following or to get people to agree to something. I would say to you today that so many of this world's truths, quote-unquote truths, or expressions that are being embraced and lifted up are not just ungodly or wrong. They're absolutely demonic. They're in opposition to God. So many of the truths or expressions that are being embraced today, even by those that would call themselves children of God, are seeking to mar the image of God in boys and girls and men and women. They're robbing children of childhoods, murdering of innocent lives, the propping up of sexual immorality and absolute disgusting behaviors. That's what is popular and acceptable today. But our obedience to God is not determined by consensus or popularity. Some things are popular today, but they're wrong. Some things are popular today, but they should be rejected. And our obedience to God is not based upon those things. Earlier on in Daniel 3, verses 4 to 7, is the proclamation that was given. And when the proclamation was given, it says this in verse 7, As soon as all the people heard the sounds of these instruments, they fell down and worshipped the golden image the king set up. There was a proclamation on the part of the king, the ruler, and it says all the peoples bow down to the image that was there before them. No questions asked. They fell in line. As believers in Christ, we should never simply fall in line by embracing or keeping silent about those things that our God directly opposes. And our obedience to him is never determined by consensus or popularity. Number three, obedience to God will invite persecution. I was going to share a particular part of the text. It's the whole text. (laughs) It invites persecution. They were in prison. Why? Because of what they were preaching and teaching. They were beaten. Why? Because of what they were preaching and teaching. They were imprisoned again and beaten again. Why? Because of what they were preaching and what they were teaching. Don't miss what was said in Acts chapter 5, that when they heard this, verse 33... They were enraged and they wanted to kill the apostles because of what they were preaching. Folks, listen to me today. Do not expect the world and those that are of the world to support or be gracious towards the things of God. That's a false expectation. If you just want to be liked by everybody and make everybody feel good, you will not be walking obediently to the Lord. Because what we preach and proclaim is an offense. As a believer in Christ, there's no room for you and I to be the offense, but if the message we proclaim is, so be it. Because we obey God rather than man. Obedience to God will bring and invite persecution. All those who live godly in Christ 
will suffer persecution. Jesus proclaimed, if the world hated me, it will hate you. So be prepared for it. Number four, obedience to God shows authenticity of belief in God. Obedience to God shows authenticity of belief. In verses 38 and 39, after Gamaliel gives them this scenario of these men that claimed to be somebody and then they were nothing, he says, in the present case, keep away from these men, let them alone, for if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. Obedience to God shows authenticity of belief in God. In 1 John chapter 1 and 1 John chapter 2, John makes no, uh, you know, makes nothing unclear. He makes it completely clear when he says, this is a message we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. First John 2, he says, listen, anyone who says that they know him but does not keep his commandments, they are a liar and the truth is not in him. Obedience to God shows authenticity of our belief in God. So if you're here today and you proclaim and say, I'm a follower of Jesus, I believe in Christ, then that should be seen in action. That should be seen in the way that we live. It should be seen in our obedience because like the apostles, we can stand and say today, we are witnesses of these things that God has made us alive. And I can't hide that. You shouldn't be able to hide that. We should always at all times be obedient and proclaiming the great things that God has done. Number five, obedience to God brings glory to God. Gamaliel would say, if this is of God, it will not cease. And they agreed with him. They were like, yeah, it's good counsel, Gamaliel. Well done. Let's take what he's saying. And we believe that. And so what did they do? They still beat them again. They still commanded them Again, not to preach and teach. And guess what? I guarantee you after that, they watched. And what were they watching? I believe they were watching to see if what these men were preaching and teaching was of God or of man. Because if it's of God, it's not going to cease. If you know him today, you should not be able to cease from preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ with those that need him. Because the Spirit of God, who opened your eyes to the Word of God, lives inside of you. Obedience to God brings glory to God. That same passage in Daniel 3, I love the way it ends in verses 27 to 30. It says, the satraps, prefects, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed. No smell of fire had come upon them. And Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, listen, what, remember Nebuchadnezzar's words previously, what God will deliver you from my hand? Listen to what he says now. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command. He's talking about himself. He's proclaiming, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Blessed be their God who delivered them. And he says about them, that his servants trusted in him, set aside the king, me, my command, and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any God except their own. Might that be the true statement about you and I as believers in Christ today? Might we as his servants trust in him, set aside the king's command, and yield up our bodies rather than serve and worship any God other than our God? Because he's deserving of that. 
The king would make a decree. I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb. Their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Obedience to God brings glory to God. And when the believer in Christ is mobilized and walking worthy of the calling to which we've been called, those that watch will ask about the hope that we have and the conclusion that will be drawn when the Spirit of God opens their eyes and they know and see Jesus is there is no other God like the Lord. No other God can transform and change like the Lord. No other God can make what is dead alive. No other God has the authority, power that our God has. And God is glorified. Number six, obedience to God produces cause for rejoicing. I can never get past verse 41. They left the presence of the council after being beaten again, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name. And number seven, we got to close. Obedience to God must not cease. Must not cease. Verse 42 says, and I love that this is recorded for us every day. <laughs> it doesn't just say, and they continued to preach about Jesus. It says, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. We must, as believers in Jesus Christ, obey God rather than man. Our God is worthy. I encourage you as you read through the Word of God, those Old Testament stories, Daniel chapter 3, the New Testament, Acts chapter 5, when you read these remarkable things that God has done, understand and know we serve the same living God. The same spirit of God that empowered is the same spirit of God that abides and lives within us today as his children. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with the one true living God, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, before you leave today at the conclusion of this service, I would invite you to come down and talk to me right down front and I will share with you how today you can have relationship with the one true living God and how that spirit of God who has opened my eyes and the eyes of those sitting here today that know him can open your eyes to the truth of the good news concerning Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the boldness and example of the apostles. And thank you for the spirit of God that lives within us today. I pray that we would always at all times seek to obey you, our God, rather than man because you are deserving of all of the glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.